So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life, the only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. Hello, and welcome to Everyday Connection Now with your hosts, Nikki Leach and Richard O'Shields, bringing your inner light to your everyday life. Welcome, everybody, to this edition of Everyday Connection Now. I'm Richard O'Shields, and off here to my left, sort of, kind of that away. Nikki Norlock. Hey, Nikki. How you doing? Hey, I'm good. Good. I'm good. Getting a little tired, but that's okay. It's the weekend. It's the weekend. Yeah, I'm going to rest this weekend. Taking the weekend I'm off. Taking the weekend off. Well deserved, because yes. uh, you were deep in the writer's hat last weekend, and then the editor's hat and promo hat and things all week long, and and you know, not to mention seven, eight radio shows, five morning shows and three right? night shows. So, yeah. well, this is number three, and uh, which is fun because it's morning for me, afternoon for you, and evening for our guest, and I just love that we. We time travel all the time, really, on the show. It's fun that way. We do. It's fun. Yeah. It's awesome, uh, though, because in between, I've gotten the chance to, you know, go do the infrared sessions because those are always fun. It's always nice to stop by the Sunshine Center and see Ilya and get some one-on-one Ilya time for a little soulful rest and relaxation. uh, Well, and you have to stop by for my assignments now and again. That's right. No more snowing over there. <laughs> Put Nikki's good morning back. It's better than yours. And it is. It's cuter than mine by far. But mine's just good morning. You know. Who's that? And believe me, I thought about it when I was doing it. But I I was lazy and just did the straight, you know, one one take voiceover. Here we go. And See, you know what happens when you get, get lazy, though? The listeners catch you. They bust you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Busted, busted. Definitely, uh, definitely got popped by that one. Put the uh, put the good morning and back. Okay. That's right. And uh, we 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 have always promised to listen to our, our listener demands and to fulfill them whenever possible. So we are fixing that. Not a Ilya, problem. If you're I listening, it should be fixed fix <laughs> by the time you hear this. We should have good morning uh, for you again on Monday. So that'll be awesome. Um, well, it will have already been fixed for a week, I guess, by the time what we get. But probably. We digress again. <clears throat> Not you, kind of There goes my mind. Uh, <laughs> Let me see if I can touch it. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Come back. Listen, brain, you're too small to be out by yourself. Come back here. <clears throat> Molly, go bring me that. No. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Do not fetch the brain. I don't want that slobber all over it. Oh. So what about a guest? Do you have a guest? I think we, we have a guest. We do, we do. Joining us from across the pond, we have Lorraine Flaherty. Flaherty? Is, is that close to correct? 
Flaherty. Flaherty. Yeah. yeah, wonderful. Yeah. Welcome, Lorraine. How are you doing? I'm very, very good, thank you. And thank you very much for having me here. Well, I'm... Thank you for carving out some time from your busy schedule to sit and chat with us in our virtual sandbox. Glad to have you. Thank you. Absolutely. It is our pleasure. So are you ready for the big challenging question of the day? I'm ready. Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> All right, Lorraine. Who on earth are you and what do you do? Ooh, that is a big question. Who am I? Well, I used to think that I was Lorraine. And my research and my explorations on my time here on the planet, which is kind of getting up to about 50 years now, shows me that I'm a multidimensional being who has many, many different aspects. So it would probably take me a long, long time to answer that question if I was to give you all the information about the various components that make up who I am. And what do I do? I explore the truth of that question, I guess. Since I've been here, I've been trying to work out all the different components and aspects of who I am. And I think that my role here on the planet is helping other people to do the same thing. So I think of myself as a bit of a spiritual detective who goes on a search for answers to those big life questions that most people have about who they are and why they're here and uh, what the purpose of, of it all really is. And, uh, and I'm using all kinds of processes and tools to help others to find their answers uh, rather than finding them for them. So, yes, yeah, spiritual detective, I guess, if I was going to describe what I do. Clutter clearer as well. I have been described as a bit of a spiritual hoover, helping people to clear out and get rid of all the unhelpful stuff that they don't need that they may have acquired over many, many lifetimes and, uh, and, and in their current lifetime. Well, it's a good thing we have 90 minutes then. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so I hope that does that answer the question to a degree. It does answer the question to agree to a degree. Of course, I, I'm gonna I, <laughs> excuse me. I'm gonna poke and prod uh, you a bit. Spiritual for, clutter for, clearer. I'm sign me up. I'm a, <laughs> I've gotten rid of all my physical clutter. I'm down to three suitcases <laughs> and a dog. So that's a very good start. <laughs> but I, I would like to know how you got started because that search for the truth about ourselves really mm. usually something happens to get us to kind of kickstart us mm. get us going yes well the the journey started when I was very young because I was born into an Irish Catholic family and it's not really encouraged for you to ask those kinds of questions, really. And uh, the, just the, the nature of my personality, trying to work things out. When I was being taught the various ways of the, the, the world and, and those teachings, you know, on the one hand, I was being taught that God was this benevolent, loving being 
who loved us all. And then on the other hand, I was being told that if I disobeyed the rules and I didn't do what the church and therefore what God was was instructing, that I was going to be burnt in hell forever. And uh, that didn't make sense. It really didn't make sense. And I think, you know, one of my favorite stories to this day was always the emperor's new clothes, because I think I could just see through all the, the nonsense that was, was being shown to me. So I kept questioning it all. I kept asking, well, how can that be so? And uh, it just meant so much inquiry for me. And it meant that I wasn't satisfied with what they were teaching. I, I didn't. I just didn't believe them. It didn't ring true for me. It didn't resonate. So as well as asking them questions, I started very, very, very early on trying to find out as much as I could about um, what the teachings might be really saying. And I was really fascinated by the parables and the fact that there were encoded messages. And even the teachers had told me that they had um, created these parables because the people at the time weren't necessarily going to get the kind of overt message. So it was better, you know, it was much simpler to, to put the, the messages into a story form. But I really wanted to know the, the heart of it. I wanted to know the core. I wanted to know what was behind the scenes. So, I mean, probably even at 10 or 11, I was studying ancient religions. I was studying all the various different religions in the in the world and uh, finding the correlations, the links between them all. And of course, I realized that if you went back far enough, that the root of them was pretty much the same. And that actually, if you dug in deeply to the more esoteric sides of them, they were all implying that we were all kind of connected to God and that the energy was the energy of God source or universe, whatever you wanted to call it was actually love. And uh, I loved that idea and it really irritated all of my teachers and the priests uh, when I would come back and, and repeat what I had been learning. And um, that kind of excited me too. I liked to rattle cages a little bit. I love rattling cages. Yeah, I was going to say I wouldn't rattling know anything about that. Rattling cages is awesome. <laughs> a little rocking of the boat. <laughs> Yeah. Come on, battle war cages. And certainly a, a, a point in common, the, the boat rocking and the, uh, you know, now wait a minute, this all-loving, uh, pure love uh, in Hellfire Lake thing, mm -hmm. that, mm. that seemed to have been a sticking point for Nikki and I both, really. Okay. How do you put that, how, how do you reconcile those two? Seems a little incompatible. Uh-huh. <laughs> How many Sunday schools yeah, did you get kicked out of, Nikki? Oh, um, actually, only one. And but I've been kicked out of multiple Bible studies and churches. And um, certainly, I was kicked out of um, that wouldn't uh, confirmation class at one right. point. Even though they did, for some reason, let me teach Sunday school. As I got older, which I'm not sure that was probably beneficial for anybody. Uh, well, maybe, maybe for the students. I'm just not sure it was yeah. in alignment with what they wanted you to teach. But Right. Well, they let me have the young ones, right? Because really all you're doing is coloring and drawing and singing songs. So how much damage can you do? Uh, a lot, actually, if you're yeah. raised in that. But the, but the truth is, yeah, it was. Is it, it, I, I get what you're saying because for me it was a – 
an ongoing struggle to reconcile what my heart was telling me was the truth and what the church, as I was taught the church to be, was telling me was the truth. But the remarkable thing about the church and about Christianity is it's so diverse, you see, that you can find teachers and leaders and guides within the Christian community who get it and Mm -hmm. who can bridge that gap for you between what you were taught the scriptures meant and what the scriptures actually mean in alignment with what your heart's telling you they mean. And so, but it took me until I was, well, I'm almost 40 now and it was just like three years ago that I started finding these these Christian spiritual leaders who were able to to blend the two for me and 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 bring it together, and yeah. and so but I understand what you're saying because it was horrific for years. I was like, but ah, I don't understand why I know, but they're telling me I'm wrong, and mm-hmm. that's not how I read this book that they've told me I'm supposed to study. So. It's very conflicting for many people. It's confusing and discouraging. That's the big word. It's discouraging because it it blocks you from getting to know God on a personal level. And I think that's horrific. It's absolutely horrific. It should never happen that anybody should ever feel separated from the divine in any way. They provide you and with a I, bunch I of odd BS. Belief Belief system. systems. Yeah. Yeah. What, what were you people thinking? Belief systems. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And growing up as a small child, being told that the priests who were around me were going to be my emissary, that if I had messages for God, that uh, you know they had to go through them. And again, I remember being really confused, thinking, well, why can't I speak to him myself? It didn't make any sense. And I I recognized that as a child who hadn't yet committed any sins or who was still quite innocent and and believed that I was completely connected to God, that really didn't make sense. And especially when I saw some of the, I mean, some of them were lovely, don't get me wrong. There were some, some very good priests in our area, but some of them really weren't very nice, and particularly the ones that had moved up the ranks, so those that had been made canons or a little bit higher up. There was a lot of arrogance, there was a lot of ego, and they really weren't very nice. And they were demanding that I treat them with respect and that uh, I listen to what they had to say. And I would just stand my ground and say, really, I don't need you. If I'm going to speak to God, I'm going to talk to him myself. And if you want my respect, you have to earn it. You have to act like a a compassionate, loving human being. Be that person that I read about. Be the person that is reflecting the, the, the kind of, the idea that I had about who Jesus was, this person that walked on the planet who was loving and kind and, and very, very wise. And, uh, yeah, that got me into a lot of trouble. I did actually get strangled by a priest once for um, really rocking the boat. And uh, even though my Ew. family... Was... All right. That's awesome. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank I've you. never yeah. been strangled by a priest. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, he accused me of being a communist. Ooh. <laughs> I, I had suggested when they oh, came my around... My favorite words. 
Yeah, he, he, they'd come round, they'd had lots of collections for money on the Sunday at Mass for the church and the roof and the starving in Africa and you know, this, that and the other. And then they came round again during the week asking my parents for money again. And um, I remember at the time, you know, we had to drop everything because the priest had come to visit out of the bloom. It was meant to be such an honour. But clearly he'd just come to ask for money. And again, I remember at the time thinking, this can't be right. So I said to him, Father, doesn't the Vatican have um, an incredible collection of um, paintings and art? And he said, oh, yes, you know, we have the, the, the most incredible collection in, in the world. You know, some of the items there are absolutely priceless. And I said, well, why don't you sell a couple of them? <laughs> and then you'll have the money that you need to go and feed those starving in Africa and fix your roof. You know, why are you coming around here and bothering my mum and dad for it? And that was the point at which he really flopped. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, and of course, at the time, my father was mortified. He was really embarrassed that I had embarrassed him in front of the priest and, and sent me off to my bedroom with a telling off. Oh, my. It was crazy. Yeah, no supper for you. Off, be gone. It, it's, it is. It's very strange. And um, I didn't grow up in the Catholic Church. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church. Right. And um, uh, with, you know, again, just this boatload of incompatible beliefs mm -hmm. and I guess people don't notice or I, I don't know how they get them by so many people but you know I mean take the Baptist you do drinking's a sin if alcohol ever touches okay. your lips you're going to hell and wow. I'm like but Jesus turned water into wine what? <laughs> what and they're like yes well wine back in those days was different and and we had the Lord's Supper instead of communion and um uh, uh, the priest didn't give you the little biscuit. They came in trays that they passed around. And, and then right. they passed around trays of little, little bitty glasses of grape juice. Because, of course, you can't right. have wine. Right. So we'll have grape juice instead. <laughs> what? You, what? And, of course, the, the what's go way deeper than that. But, um, yeah. It, it, and I, but I find that we do. We end up with a lot of these weird belief systems that we've picked up, and many of them being incompatible. Like, mm -hmm. you, you can only measure your success and, and, and worth in society with money. Yeah. And, and then you combine that with people that have money are bad. Well, how do you reconcile those beliefs? That's just as damaging, I think, as the others, you know. These belief systems, they like to leave scattered about. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's sort of the uh, the clutter to be cleared, is it not? Yes, mm. indeed. And that's very much what I work with, is helping people to draw out some of those unhelpful beliefs that they may have picked up along the way that are blocking them. So when you're working with somebody, how do you how do you bridge the gap? Well, I use hypnosis to help people to get access to the information that has been stored deeply down in the subconscious level. And that may be information that has been stored from their current lives, so all of the experiences that they've had since well, probably since the moment they were born, because we know that it's all stored away in the mind, the mind being like a, 
a giant computer that's storing all of that information for them, but also information that has been carried down through the DNA, so through the genetic line. So I did a lot of ancestral work and also beliefs and uh, kind of karmic and unfinished business that may have been carried down through past lives. And uh, that can really be huge because often the information that uh, or things that were undone in, in past lives, if there was a, a karmic mission that somebody was working on and it wasn't finished, it will often be carried over into the current life. So we may still be working on things that um, that, that began a long time ago that we're not aware of. It's It's stuff that's floating around behind the scenes that we don't consciously know, but it has an impact. And those kinds of things lead to people experiencing patterns in their lives where they find themselves repeating the same thing over and over again and uh, can't quite see where it came from. So by accessing the subconscious, we bring that information right up into conscious awareness and then it can be dealt with. That sounds awesome. And because I've only experienced, I know that um, Richard has used hypnosis before. I've only tried it once. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you explain to me and to our listeners just briefly like what a session, so I'm looking to you for answers. Now walk me through the initial session, and, and I know you can't do the whole thing, but so that I know what I would be expecting coming in the door. Yeah, absolutely. So well, the first thing is, that, particularly if I'm doing past life regression work, is that I never do it as just a, an exploration into who somebody was. So there would always be an intention. So somebody would be looking at a particular area of their life where they were either stuck or blocked or being challenged. And then we would try and bring out what some of the the ideas or beliefs might be. So it might be a sense that they're not worthy or that they're not deserving or that they feel as though they're stuck in some way. And then in the session, what I would do is is actually guide them into the the state of hypnosis, which now I teach clinical hypnosis to, um, to, to doctors. So there's a lot of confusion about what hypnosis is and, and what it isn't. And I think that many people are afraid of it or they think it's this otherworldly state that you go into but uh, as I find when I'm teaching these doctors particularly at Oxford and Cambridge University is that it's actually a very practical very natural state that we're all going into all the time anyway because it's simply a focused state of attention and it's very akin to the state people go into when they meditate so it's a state where the mind is able to feel calmer, more relaxed, but more focused. So the person is still fully awake. They're still aware of what's going on. But they are really redirecting, they're really focusing their attention onto what's going on inside of them. And in that focused state, we also generate a uh, a kind of lowering of the brainwave uh, activity so that we're, we're dropping people down into the sort of alpha then the delta and the theta brainwave states by slowing down the breathing and, and slowing down slowing down the mind. And then what I would do is guide them into what I call a safe place. So they're taken down through the relaxation state and they get to imagine a, a beautiful safe place. And that becomes the kind of 
setting for uh, the access point, if you like, to the information that's stored. Because in that subconscious realm, it's a bit like a giant library as well, where all this data is stored. And then I would ask the person to actually find the, the, the portal, the entrance, which might be a doorway or a, an archway that they visualize in their mind's eye, that will take them into the event, the experience that will be most relevant to their problem. And whether that's a current life memory or a past life memory. And then I ask them to imagine going through the doorway and when they step through to the other side, they're going to be fully immersed into the experience and then they'll be able to talk to me. So they're then able to share with me exactly what's going on. And people experience it differently. It may be that the process just runs on like a movie where they jump from scene to scene. That's if somebody's very visual, they'll be describing to me what's going on. Some people aren't very visual at all and they don't see anything, but it's, it's more of a sense of something. And when I ask them the questions, which is kind of where the spiritual detective bit comes in, I ask a series of questions about who they are, and where they are and, and what's going on. And then they, they start to recount the story. And as they start to talk and uh, they start to kind of engage with the process, usually more and more information starts to flow. And if we're doing a past life, usually the most important point is the point when the life comes to an end, the death point, because really what happens at the end, the last thoughts they have and the emotion that they leave that lifetime with is, if you like, the energy that's getting passed over to the, the, the current life. That energy kind of stays in the, in the, uh, the energy field as the, the, the soul is uh, reborn into another incarnation. And from that point, they then float up and out of the body and then they have a higher perspective. They're able to view what was going on in that lifetime. And then we're able to do the transformation work because as they start to understand who the people were, why the people were there, what life lessons they had chosen to experience. And in many cases, they actually meet with and, and speak to those other souls that were there with them. And it's hugely transforming because when they start to understand that the experiences that they had were probably on some level chosen by them because they were going to learn something from it. People step out of blame in, instead of accusing people and, and, and holding other people responsible for doing things to them. The understanding means that they can forgive, they can let go, and they can even move into a state of gratitude to these souls, even the ones that were the most challenging for helping them to overcome their lessons. And uh, it means that they can also get free of unhelpful contracts or uh, agreements that they may have made in those previous lives. And uh, that means that things can shift and change in the current life. They're no longer beholden or, or, or held within the constricts of, of those ideas. So that's generally how it would work. And then when they wake up or when I bring them out of the hypnosis state, then we look for the correlations to their current life. And they are usually... Uh, pretty spot on so it, it's quite incredible uh, what the parallels uh, can bring so is it is it a process that has to be taken like several sessions in order to do it or are some people able to kind of crack the code in the first one or two sessions well, my sessions are quite in-depth, so they usually take at least two uh, 
to two and a half hours, sometimes even three hours. And it's generally, if people, whatever the particular question the person has for that session, generally they can crack that question in, in one session. There's, there's absolutely, um, that, that has been the case in my experience. But often, obviously, sometimes people have more than one question. They have more than one issue. There's more than one area of their life that they want to explore. So in that case, sometimes it, it does require a few more sessions to get deeper in but usually the answers to particular questions can be sorted in one session yeah as, as nikki mentioned i worked with a uh, hypnotherapist uh, for mm-hmm. almost a year one time and right. uh, and i found too that sometimes uncovering something and, and and handling that would would also sometimes lead to new questions uh, yes and uh, that it was very much like peeling back the layers of an onion Mm-hmm. In, in in many ways yeah uh, it's, but some amazing things and I'm glad that you mentioned the thing about the visual because I, I think people get that too with just trying to visualize and they some people are not I'm not visual I guess because mm-hmm. I don't really I could describe the scene to you but I don't yeah. see anything yeah it's like I just know or yeah it, the information's just there you know, and um, uh, but I feel things, you know, like hot, cold, and and mm-hmm. emotions and and things, but I don't see things. Yeah, absolutely, and it's it's really not necessary. And I think that sometimes even the linguistic idea, when you when you say to somebody, "I want you to visualize" or "I want you to imagine something," I think that the education system almost takes that out of us because we're, it's it's such a, a kind of linear left brain thing that we go through as children. And uh, there's almost a, a fear of going into that kind of creativity, the imagination, the, the sort of right brain area of the mind for a lot of people. It's been squashed. So I guess it's like any muscle that if you if you don't use it for a while, it, it, it kind of dries up and it doesn't doesn't really operate. So in order to make that easier for most, for the majority of my clients, I say to them at the beginning that I'm not expecting them to see kind of full 3D images, but uh, but I ask them to describe for me what their home looks like, the colour of their front door, and I get them to walk me through where their, the key goes in high or low, and uh, and then when they go through the door, what's in front of them, and all of them are able to describe that because it's something they see every day. And when they finish with that description, I say to them, well, in the same way that you know that. You can see it, but you can't really see it. But in your mind's eye, you kind of have this format of it. When I'm asking you to see things or visualize things in the the trance state, it's just like that. It's just a sense of something. And because they've had a little rehearsal and they've taken the huge expectations about being overly creative out of it, they they kind of relax then. And, And once they relax, they allow the process to unfold. Oh, that's perfect. It's perfect. I haven't ever heard it put quite like that. That's a, mm. But that's a great way to put it because it was very similar to that experience as you were discussing, the, describing the home. I was like, yeah. I was thinking to myself, yeah, it's like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think if I had have been offered that as an introduction to what was about to happen before I was put through the session I was put through, it would have made a lot more sense for me. Yes, and a lot of the time, especially 
teaching hypnosis I, uh, to these student doctors, um, I'm very aware of the um, the kind of limitations that that we put on ourselves about about what we can do and what we can achieve. And over the years, I think that hypnosis has been given a lot of bad press because we see stage hypnosis, we see people uh, apparently or being seen to be able to get people to do things they wouldn't ordinarily do and, and silly things. So there's a bit of a stigma uh, attached to the name hypnosis. And it's really important, I think, for people to have a sense of, of what it really is and, and, and just how um, well enjoyable the process can be, for one, because I know that with the majority of my clients, they turn up and they say, oh, I'm a little bit nervous, you know, I'm a little bit apprehensive, I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen. And I always reassure them that nothing will happen until they are completely ready and they feel safe. And then I'll, I'll really explain how the process works. And at the end of the session, it's always such a complete turnaround because when I start to guide them up and out of the session, 99% of the time they'll say, oh, I really didn't want to come back. That was so lovely. It was it was so wonderful when they were floating in that that, that place of just, it's kind of in a piece, really. And uh, their, their perception, they're, they're really surprised when they come back at what hypnosis really feels like. But of course, I always remind them that they're going in and out of it all the time anyway. So that, that state before you drift off into sleep at night time, the, the state in the morning when you've just woken up and you're in that really cozy, drifty state where you haven't quite woken up completely yet. Oh, I love that, that feeling. Where you just really want to roll back over and go back to sleep. Yeah. And, I love yeah. that feeling. Absolutely. But that's actually, that, that's effectively the, the state that we generate in hypnosis. It's the kind of hypnagogic and the hypnopompic states. So it's oh, really oh, see, I did not feel that. I did not enjoy my session at all. Right. <laughs> so I, I probably and that's had... why I've never gone back and done another right. one because yeah. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't feel comfortable at all. Uh, I felt very forced and yeah. not safe. I don't know what that's about, but. Yeah, well, say, and, and of course, safety is absolutely key. Uh, one of the most important things with the hypnosis journey is that it's a partnership. It absolutely is. It's two people working together. So there has to be a, a sense of trust between you and the practitioner. You have to feel completely and utterly safe because you are closing your eyes. You are shutting out the, 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 the sort of events and the experiences of the outside world to a degree. So you have to feel really held in that space. And if you're not, then the protection mechanism within you is going to block. The protection part will say, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to do this because if I'm not feeling comfortable on the outside, then I'm definitely not going to feel comfortable um, to, to let go. So it may have been the technique that was used on you because there's various different means that people can use. Or it may just have been that you and the practitioner didn't gel for some reason or, or you, you weren't sure about the process. So it wouldn't necessarily have been hypnosis that didn't work for you, but just the, 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 the means that were used to get you in there. So maybe time I, to have another go. I would say that it took probably it was my third session with uh, right. uh, my therapist before I really started to feel that and and really it was as i saw him weekly for almost a year and and, and it continued in ways to get deeper uh yeah. 
as we worked together because there was yeah. just more and more uh, trust. But I, I referred a friend to him. She actually asked me, you know, who do you mm-hmm. see and what, you know, because it's working for you. And, and so I gave her all the info and she went, she talked to him on the phone because that's, he starts with a phone consultation and then you come see him. Yeah. And, um, uh, she must have been, there were times like if I was tired or something, it would yeah. seem like I was about to fall asleep. He would come over and lift my hand up and right. and then say it's going to stay there and stuff. And I think that was ways to make me focus, to keep me from falling asleep. But yeah. um, I, he never explained it, but I think that's what he was doing. Well, he did that and uh, apparently didn't give her enough warning or, you know, that he was going right. to touch her. And so she never went back because she, she felt fine until he did that. And then yeah. she felt like, oh, my gosh, he can touch me. And um, so there is this need for the trust and the comfort. My first time, you know, we talked on the phone for probably 45 minutes, and then my first time we probably talked for 45 minutes. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And and then the hypnosis was very short and was just sort of go there and come back. There wasn't a lot of you know it was he, he said we're just going to do general stress reduction today and mm-hmm. and and i i think it was you know easing in but it was it was a process really it was not i don't think some of the life changing paradigm shifting things that i experienced could have happened in in the first session or two because i i don't think that level of trust was there mm-hmm. um I I suppose for regular talk therapy to be effective, you know, there has to be that because you are sort of laying yourself open bare and that's not much the norm in our society. Absolutely. Yeah. And there's a, a thing called fractionation that happens as well with the trance state which means that each time you experience it, you go to a, a certain level where you feel safe and comfortable. And uh, the next time you go in, you will go straight to that level that you achieved the, the last time round because your mind knows that that is a, a comfort level, that you're safe. And, and then it will explore. It says, OK, well, this is safe. Now I feel OK. And then you go a little bit deeper. So each time you're brought out and you go back in, you go deeper and deeper still. You, you achieve deeper and deeper levels of it. So that would make sense that uh, as, as you went along it, it continued to get deeper. Yeah, it it um, it was really a very uh, for some someone like me who's never had a, a lot of uh, I had never been a meditator. I w- never been a visualizer. You know, I was engineering, math, science mm-hmm. type. Um, it you know after some time, it was a it was kind of a neat tool for exploring and it was I found that I was since I knew what it felt like that I, if I was say at home and you know doors locked there's no weirdness going on um, I could pretty much reproduce the that state yeah um, and uh, and I still use that ability to to this day you know yeah. really uh, when I really need to, to calm down, my yeah. when my brain starts whirling like a dervish, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, which and I think for for so many people, 
you know, nowadays stress is one of the, the sort of key components of, of most people's issues and problems. And uh, we know that when stress occurs, people are going into the, the kind of fight flight response. So the body is producing cortisol and, and you know, adrenaline, the, the stress hormones. And when we go into that state of hypnosis, that deep meditation like state, we're actually activating the direct opposite. The parasympathetic nervous system kicks in, which is the opposite of fight flight. And when when that state kicks in, it's kind of the state that we go into in deep sleep when we go into the resting, digesting phase. And it means that the functions of the body and the mind have slowed down so much so that the immune system is able to operate more effectively. So we, we get all sorts of benefits. The heart rate slows down, the pulse rate, the, the, the breathing is uh, deeper, so it's improved. So even five or ten minutes a day of going into that state of hypnosis, the, the, the focused state, is, is hugely beneficial. And on the, you know, when I'm working on the clinical side, even things like IBS or uh, you know, many of the stress issues, high blood pressure, and many of those things that people suffer from are pretty much alleviated with the use of just the, the self-hypnosis without any particular treatment on its own. And it is, as you say, it's really simple once people have experienced it. And I always teach my, my clients how to go into the, the, the self-hypnosis state when they leave me because I want them to have the tools to, to use for themselves and uh, it's wonderful and I usually get them to do it before they go to sleep at night when when most people their mind is still busy from the day that they've experienced and sometimes it's it's hard to drop off to sleep and, and sometimes sleep is disturbed because we're still busy processing things but when people use the the, the process and quite often I just get them to do a, a really simple countdown so imagining a, a staircase from a beautiful balcony leading down to a garden or a beach or somewhere really tranquil. And the counting and the visualizing kind of creates a, a balance of the right and left hemispheres of the brain. And that enables them to go into that, that deeper focused state and generates the hypnosis. And the more they practice, the easier it becomes. And so often when they're doing it before they go to sleep at night time, they may only reach the third step or the fourth step and they've already drifted into that. Yeah, yeah, they drift into that lovely hypnagogic state and then they, they fall into sleep. So it's very powerful. Yeah, it was amazing to me how um, useful it was in ways that I wasn't really considering. I, I first uh, went to see him. I was having um, substance abuse problems and uh, I was okay. drinking. And he was yeah. a... Uh, in Texas, where I was living at the time, you have to have, there's not a certificate for a hypnotherapist. So you have to have some other kind of therapy certification. And then yeah. as that kind of therapist, you can use hypnosis all you like. There just isn't, they've never come up with that license, I guess, in Texas. Right. So that was his, uh, his deal was in, uh, as a registered substance abuse counselor and, um, or certified, it's a title. And yeah. um, uh, so he actually, right from our first time, he sent me home with a, a CD that was uh, mostly music. He was talking in the background, but it was just a, you know, he said, you can use it if you get bonked out. You can, I'd like you to use it at least once a day, but if you get weirded out, you can pop it in, you can pop it in. And I, I did. I started using it 
every night when I was going to bed, I'd fall asleep. Mm. I'd just, it was kind of like hypnosis, but then you just let yourself go and poof, and you're going, yeah. <laughs> woof. And uh, <laughs> because stress, anxiety, and and ability to sleep were three of my really big problems right there at the, at yeah. the first. Now, we wound up working on things that really sort of had no relation, but that was, to me, that's that 13th step that people often don't do is look at the underlying reason of why did you do that to start with. Um, and um, because it does become a physical problem after some time, but it's usually got something underlying it, and we did, we did some amazing things. But mm-hmm. um, here we are at just about our halfway point, uh, okay. so we'll, uh, we'll have us a quick break. Um, music thoughts, Nikki? Not really? Um, hmm. Maybe some Anthony Talata. Hi, yes. Oh, hi. hi. I was talking. Mute. and I... Oh, yeah. See, <laughs> that happened to me at the beginning of the show. Is there some... Is, is the internet in retrograde or what is something? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Yeah, no, I, I've... Um... I had muted so that I would um, not interrupt you with my coughing, and apparently, well, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Yeah, I did some of that right at the beginning of the show. I yes, made several I, I think really Anthony... excellent comments, and nobody heard them. <laughs> nobody heard them. Um, that would be the dead air at the beginning of the show, I guess. Oh, that would, so, yeah, yes, Anthony Salato would be perfect. You see, I was listening. I just couldn't get the answer out. <laughs> so we'll have some rise from Anthony Talata. Um, we've been talking about going down, so now we'll have rise. Then we'll come back and talk about going down a little bit more because uh, this is cool stuff. Uh, obviously quite quite good at what you do. You've got some metaphors that really, I think, will be helpful to people. So stick with us, folks. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody. Again, that was our buddy, Anthony Talata. We love a lot of Talata. But you can find him at anthonytalata.com. Uh, or, you know, many musical haunts around the Toronto area. Very cool stuff. Oh, he's just a cool person. He's a talented musician, but he's just but a very, cool dude. Oh, yeah, you know, because he's following the usual path where he grew up, you know, he went to school, and then you got a job at the plant, the factory, the whatever, you know. He was doing all that stuff, had a trade, was working the trade, doing his thing. And, and then he was like, oh, well, this is, well, it's one of those funky BS things, belief system things. I'm not playing this game. And now this music is just, wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, I digress. We're back with uh, Lorraine Flaherty and uh, having really awesome discussion about hypnosis uh, because I know a lot of you out there probably have weird thoughts about hypnosis. I did. Uh, and uh, But yeah, some of this talent you're noticing, Nikki, it's, you, you don't just... Um, you're not just a hypnotherapist. You you actually teach clinical hypnosis, don't you? I do, yes. Uh, and I have been for about the last eight or nine years going to universities all around the country, all around the UK, and uh, teaching to student doctors and uh, midwives and uh, sometimes even dentists. And it's it's wonderful because it's only an optional module, so it's unfortunately not actually part of the curriculum. But the students that do choose to come on the course come with, well, some of them are more open-minded. Some of them come because they're very skeptical and they almost want to prove that it's nonsense and that it doesn't work. And in all the years that I've been doing it, there has never been one student that by the end of the course hasn't been completely kind of mind transformed and who who hasn't really got the, the, the benefits. It, it's quite incredible to think that these these doctors are not taught about the connection between the mind and the body. It baffles my brain to, to this day yeah. that they don't recognize <laughs> that our thinking has an impact on our physiology and on how we feel and how, therefore how come on now half of them Half of them don't even know that nutrition has a big part to yeah. do with healing. So let's oh, absolutely. <sighs> you know, when I, I have these guys, really bright students, and they're sat in front of me drinking fizzy drinks and eating bags of crisps. And uh, and because I also I teach, I have an accelerated learning class that I do yeah. with them as well. And uh, when I sit down and do a really simple lesson in nutrition. And point out to them that, you know, the consumption of all this sugar and all this junk is, is going to limit their ability to be a success. And they look at me wide-eyed like I'm crazy. Yeah. But then the penny drops. But it's true. Say, it's true. It's, true. it's not until I, I cleaned up my diet that I got healthy. And along with the health came an increased mental health capacity, increased enthusiasm for yeah. life, the universe, and everything. And suddenly, everything just started falling into place, like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. And it it really is extraordinary that these links aren't made. So (laughs) I get a a week with them. And uh, in that week, I I go through and I teach them how to not only do self-hypnosis, but uh, how to hypnotize each other. 
I teach them how they can access resources because it's not just problem solving that we do when we go into hypnosis, but we're also looking to draw out the moments of success that are deeply embedded, memories that often people, they, they forget to look at the achievements that they've already made in their lives. Most people tend to focus on what they've done wrong or what isn't right or what isn't What's working. Left to do and... Yeah, they know what they don't want. They don't really know what they do want. So again, it's about fine-tuning the mind. And I have these guys over and over again reminding themselves that they've already achieved success in their life, that they already learned how to walk and talk. They already learned how to read and write. You know, they've already, all through their life, they've been accomplishing and they've been ticking boxes. They've been getting things right. And when they recall and remember all of that stuff in hypnosis and remember how it felt to be a success, to have achieved something, I then get them to attach that feeling of success to their futures. So one of my favorite things that I do with people is, is future life regression or progression, which is where I get them to actually imagine floating into their, their potential futures. And I don't limit it to one because, uh, again, I don't want people to be stuck with one kind of rigid idea about who they're going to be. But I get them to view alternative versions of the future, which they can do in hypnosis because they're in that creative part of the mind. And let's face it, most people know that you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out. If you stay on the same path, a bit like your thing, if you stay on the same path, doing the same things that you've always done, you know, you're always going to get to that same place. You're going to, you're going to work out, it's going to be very easy to work out what life is going to be like 20 years down the line. Deep within us, there is, there's this kind of magic, you know, there are those dreams that, that we had whether it was to be a singer or whether it was to be a, a dancer or a performer or, 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 or even just, I don't know, a policeman or whatever. You know, these, these desires that we had as, chi as children that we buried because somebody said you can't or you mustn't or that isn't good enough or it, it wasn't... Can't earn a living doing that. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you're not creative and you're not artistic. All those things that are drummed into us when we're little because we don't do things the way people expect us to or the way they want them to be done. And they get to explore then alternative versions of the future based on the desires that they have. But my favorite bit is I get them to, in hypnosis, connect with their higher self. So to connect with the part of them that is the true essence of who they really are and that part of them doesn't have any fear. It doesn't have any limitation. It has full self-belief in, in who they are and what they can accomplish. And then when they step into that version of themselves, the, the highest essence of who they can be, I then get them to float into their future, but based on that perception. So I, I may float them five or ten years into the future, to the future that's possible for them if they step up to that place. And it's mind-blowing what they come back with because they then describe to me what life could be like. And, uh, and they feel it. It, it. It's then kind of encoded into them. And what I then do is get that version of them who's in the future having accomplished amazing things to give advice to them in the present. And the advice would always be something like let go of the fear, believe in yourself, you can do this. Or it, sometimes it's even, why wait? Why wait five years? Why wait 10 years? Start doing this now. Make the changes now. And people come back out of the sessions just blown away by 
who and, and what they really can be in their lives. And I've seen extraordinary shifts for people because often they do come back and say, I'm not going to wait. You know, I want to do that now. I don't, I don't want to wait and, and sort of, you know, just stay where I am. They stagnate. Bloody right. Why should they wait? Absolutely. I hate waiting. I also eat no waiting. Uh, Why? It, it, Where well, did that come I, from? I actually had a, one of those that you're talking about, the go visit right. your future self. Yes. And um, it was really one of the coolest things. Uh, we had done a bunch of work already, and yes. then this just kind of came out of left field. He didn't really say it much, and, and, but off we went. And, uh, and the future self that I met in that exercise was a really cool guy. Uh-huh. I, like, I like him, you know. And there was very little about what he was doing for a living. There was just how he was living. Okay. And, but but uh, that sort of quiet, still confidence... Yeah. I don't know how to, there was a feeling to it more than anything else, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and really the only advice was, man, you're doing awesome. You're doing just right. Carry on, you know, it, just don't be worried about the fact that you're not wherever you're, you're right on time. Yeah. Yeah. And it's seriously, something we need to start teaching our young people. Like my daughter came to me and she said, she was asking about post-secondary education because she's 17. Yeah. And what am I going to do? I really want to do cosplay for a living. I really want to do makeup for a living. And I want to be a photographer. And I want to, you know, she has a list of things that she's passionate about, but she's most passionate about makeup. And she okay. said, so I'm going to have to go to this school or that school and that school. And I said, why? I said, if you're going to go to school, go for the experience of going to school. But I've seen her talent already mm-hmm. without any training. I said, why wait? Why mm-hmm. wait? Start now. Don't wait. Yeah. Who says and you can't be a success at the age of 17, 18? Yeah. You want to write a book? Write a book. Write a book, yeah. You want to write a song? Write a song. Why wait? Yeah. Why well, is it socially you- acceptable for people like Justin Bieber to be 16 years old and be a huge, massive million multi-million dollar success in music but it's not acceptable for other young people to be successful in other in other areas mm. it, it seems like music is the only area where we think it's okay or sports you got to start them young in sports you know they got to start young in sports but everywhere else we're like oh you got to wait and you got to do this and you got to no don't wait just whatever your passion is go 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 we should be teaching our young people that right right from day one absolutely and um, i used to be a makeup artist so uh i i know all about that and it's true you just have to go out there and do it when i was working i just I volunteered. I, I worked for quite a few people. For I just volunteered my services for for nothing, just to get the experience. And uh, and I had a great time. And uh, and was involved. Well, and ironically, probably in the music business, doing makeup for people for a, a long time. Um, but in, and again, interesting what you're saying because in one of my sessions, one of my personal sessions, where I went into my future. Uh, I jumped not only into my future in this life, but I jumped into my future in a future life. 
which was hundreds and hundreds of miles or years and millennia earth plane uh, in the future. And I found myself as a teacher and, and at that point I wasn't actually teaching the clinical hypnosis. And I was working with children and it was so extraordinary. It was so amazing because what we were doing as teachers, well, we were drawing out of the students what their passion was, what they loved. And instead of putting them through the education system that we have now, where things are drummed into them and they have to learn a bit of everything and none of it really appeals to them, so they switch off. But you just found out what they loved. So if it was energy or if it was if they were mathematic, if they were into the physics or if they were into art. And each student just focused all of their attention on the thing that they were the most passionate about and the thing that they most loved so that they all became experts in their own area in their own field and they worked together so if somebody was working on a particular project and they needed somebody that, that they needed mathematical parts for it they just went and found another member of the team they brought another kid in and they would all work together and it was just so beautiful to see this harmony of of, of all of these people passionate and driven and, and doing what they loved and then calling on other people who were excellent and, and, and being brilliant at what they wanted to do. And that was part of the message that I had been, been given in that, well, when I gave message to myself in my current life, was again, why wait? Go out and teach. Go and teach people about the, the brilliance that's within them. Go and teach people that they have the resources that they need inside of them already. And uh, it was shortly after that that I got offered the job teaching which had never, it hadn't really been on my radar. I was just very passionate about hypnosis and I loved it, but it hadn't entered my mind that I would teach. So it really was, don't wait. Don't wait until your next life, do it now. And, uh, and then I did. And, and you just touched on something that, that we talk about so often on the show, which is if we could just allow people to explore their passion. There's mm. this misconception that, there would be jobs that wouldn't get done. Yeah. But the truth of the matter is, is if we would just allow young children to figure out what they're passionate at, at an early age and encourage them to explore that yeah. and allow them to expand it, then everything would get accomplished. It would get accomplished with ease. It would yeah. get accomplished with grace, with enthusiasm, with gratitude, and yeah. with collaboration and cooperation because yeah. they would know that, yes, this one thing, this is what I do, but if I want to create this big complex thing, hoo-ha. I need to pull that person in here. Yeah, hoo-ha. <laughs> pull that person in, pull that person in, pull another person in and yeah. and bring them all together so that all of our collective genius can combine yeah and and birth this amazing creative whatever it might be mm-hmm. and that's it but that's and we're headed there i see it yeah. so it's fascinating yeah. to me that you saw it in a in a future parallel paradigm i would call it yeah. parallel parallel dimension um, yeah, we're headed there. I really believe we're headed there. I, I see it happening 
more and more every day, especially doing the morning show with Rich, that, you know, we're seeing it happen all over the place, right across the world. Young people are just saying, screw that education thing. This is what I'm good at. I'm going to do this. Hey, you over there, you're good at that? Come here. I need you. I want to do this, but I can't do it alone. Do you want to come play? And so they get Mm -hmm. together and and they do things like, I don't know, make filters to filter rainwater so that their fellow students in a third world country can, can have clean water. You know, and and they're doing it all, all around the world. It's amazing and incredible. And I just, we're going to, when we're like in our Mm eighties, we're going to be bouncing around the planet celebrating because it's going to be awesome. They got this. If we can just, you know, not not blow it up till they're in charge. They got this. If we stay out of their way and and not not contribute to them any reinforcement of any limitations that they might hear about, because uh, yeah. they really do. This younger generation of kids seems to be like, no, what we can, what? That's not a problem. You know, my neighbor, he was born with no hand, and they they go to the library and get on a three D printer and print him a hand. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it's, it, it, it's amazing. And, uh, but I uh, encourage anybody that's curious about hypnosis, even if you, you know, it's come up the subject a whole bunch of times and you're like, you know, yeah, yeah, hypnosis, I bark like a dog. <laughs> um, it's, it's really not like that at all. And um, it, was very effective for me at helping me get to that calm, quiet place as someone who had been a big brain, a big left brain person my whole life. I mean, I used to brag about the fact that I could think about 10 things at once. Right. And uh, it is amazing what the mind can do, but it's not always called for. And... Mm -hmm. um, and it can be difficult, I think, uh, when you've been so immersed and close. Because I was informed from a very young age, you know, you're not going to have any artistic ability because your math abilities are insane. So yeah. just don't even bother trying to draw or, you know, well, that's nice thing to tell a yeah. four- and five-year-old. <laughs> and and um, so that's why I say, you know, not reinforcing any of these limits that kids may hear about. Grr, grr. Yeah. Absolutely. And of course, we know if we look back and study the minds of the the great geniuses, so Galileo and Leonardo da Vinci and uh, and, and even people like Picasso, all of the the, the great Einstein, if we look at the the way they operated, they were functioning on, on right and left brain levels all of the time. They had a complete balance. Of those hemispheres and I do believe that that genius comes from that place where we are activating and using both sides of the brain and I think anybody that is is too much of, of one side or the other is it, it, that that balance isn't really going to be too helpful so doing this work it, it really does show people um, how to be so much more and, and how to use so much more. You know, there, there's that old adage in there where they say we only use 10% of our brains. Well, when we go into the hypnosis state, when we go into that subconscious realm, we are able to get access to to more of it and to, to, to use the mind so much more efficiently and so much more effectively. 
it, it absolutely absolutely true and it, it it was i mean there was not like life got perfect after that but mm-hmm. but but i could see where that was a definite paradigm shift in course you know yeah and um and in large part you might say having to do with right brain type type things i had been told i couldn't do that you know you're really really right-handed you're really really right-eyed you're just right-sided you're you know left brain rah rah math science rah rah engineer rah rah great hey well at least they didn't tell you so, you were wrong yeah well <laughs> you know only the left-handers are in their right mind oh um but but it was in a, in a way sort of a, a a place where i could make friends again with the other side of my brain yeah um because i do i think it gets that connection through the corpus callosum fired up uh, that that can be really walled off my i had bulletproof bomb proof you know triple id check fingerprint thing security doors <laughs> built up <laughs> between because i really i i in retrospect it's easy to see but you know mm-hmm. you just when you're four and five those big adult people that you've been told know what they're doing you just assume they know what they're doing Absolutely. or i did took them at their word and um but it's insane now in retrospect how much of their words that i took up to just be gospel beliefs and limits yeah. and uh, yeah well i've i've just finished doing a um a retreat i was running a retreat in turkey and and part of what happens on the retreat is that not only do we guide people through these various thoughts and beliefs and ideas that have come from childhood that have come from you know the, the the ideas the constructs they've created about themselves but and clearing their past lives and all those things but we we push those boundaries so we make people dance we make them sing we make them paint we go climbing a mountain we we really push all of those buttons because so many people have that idea no i can't i can't i can't do that and, uh, and and the more they hold on to those beliefs about not being able to do certain things, it blocks them in all areas of their life. And it's just extraordinary when you see these people who at first say, no, I can't do that, just blossoming. They open up and when they have a go, and we say, you don't have to be perfect. You know, art is just an expression. It's just color on paper. You know, singing is just sounds that you make with your voice. So we take them through these gentle chantings to start with and then, just let them play. and they they just get to play they get to do all the things that they didn't get to do when they were were children and i think it's so important that that people break through all of those boundaries i mean i i call the work that i do kind of as an umbrella in a freedom therapy because that's right. what i want well, i want them to have freedom from all of those limiting beliefs those limiting ideas all the things that have been holding them in place and uh it's just amazing what they can accomplish after that yeah i noticed that uh term inner freedom mm. um there you've got two uh cds that uh, to yeah. go with your book tell us a little about uh, more about your book healing with past life therapy uh what is it transformational yeah, journeys through time and space everybody ought yeah. to like that time and space <laughs> well i wrote the book because clearly after working with so many people and seeing incredible transformations happening, I really wanted to share with people just how powerful this work can be. 
And so the, the book is a collection of stories of uh, and, and, and actual transcripts from some of the sessions. And, and they're pretty much word for word of exactly what happened because the stories are so incredible, both what emerges in the, their past lives, so whether they end up in ancient Egypt or whether they end up in, well, all kinds of places. And, and then the shifts that they have afterwards because the insights, the information that they get about you know, who the people were, you know, people finding out that, um, you know, their loved ones have, have come back whether it's parents or whether it's children or whether it's siblings that have come back and, and been with them in many, many lifetimes, quite often playing different roles, but with them all the same. And I also incorporate through the book uh, the, the story of the Wizard of Oz because it was one of my favourite stories growing up. But it's also such a great metaphor for life. And I know that Frank L. Baum was actually a, a theosophist so he had embedded lots of messages into that book. But the idea that we go along that yellow brick road, which is the path of life, and along the way we need to find wisdom, love and courage. And we, we need to have a desire to, to find the truth that's you know within ourselves or the, the truth of who we are and where we belong, which is what Dorothy was looking for. She wanted to get back home. And all of the characters in the movie felt like they were blocked or stuck they were held in place they weren't achieving their potential because they believed that they lacked that wisdom or the love or the, the the courage that they needed and of course when they were challenged when they were put into situations where there was danger or adversity so the the wonderful wicked witch suddenly they stepped up and they realized that what they needed was within them all the time so the, the, the scarecrow created the plan. It was the tin man who was so devoted that he, he you know, pushed forward so he could save Dorothy. And the, the cowardly lion was the one that was going to fight the witch and all of her army. And they kind of learned from those challenges that everything that they needed was there. And so in a way, you could say that they should have the, the greatest gratitude for the witch and I guess the, the, the wizard who was uh, probably more representing the, the left brain, who was doing the challenging. And I do believe that, you know, this is the essence of this work, because it's about understanding. It's about understanding who and why these people are that come into our lives, particularly the ones that challenge us the most. And then we, from that understanding, can forgive. And forgiveness is, is hugely important. And then when we forgive we're free. We really are free. And we really can move into that place of, of gratitude for everything. So I wanted to share that message. And of course, you know, there are only so many clients that I can get to. So putting it into book form, which also there are loads of exercises in the book so that people can go on the journey themselves to uncover the story of their life and the patterns that they've been repeating. And uh, the CDs that I put together, which was the Inner Freedom 1 and 2, kind of well they're, they're based on the work in the book but I guess they stand alone as well really the the first one is um much more practical helping people to clear away the unhelpful ideas that they may have generated in their current life and, and help them to open up to bringing in what they need love and more power and courage I guess if you like more potential and then the second one guides people on those 
kind of transformational journeys, so into their past and future lives and, and dealing with them, healing their ancestors. So, yeah, it just incorporates it. It means that people can go on the journey without necessarily needing to have me there. That's awesome. Well, that's handy. <laughs> I, I like that. Well, no, because it, it's, it's difficult for one woman to reach everybody. Yeah? Yeah. It's a big planet. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, seven, if I had my way, I'd try and make my way around most the, of it. The thought of seven billion sessions makes me sleepy. <laughs> it just <laughs> Seven billion episodes of the radio show? No. I'd love oh, to talk my. to everybody. I just don't have time. Um <laughs> the way we've chosen to experience it anyway. And so people can find uh, the book, I'm sure, at your website? Yes. Where, which is, where can we find you? Yes. Uh, the, the website is innerjourneys.co.uk. In, in Lovely. Or inner journeys. Inner journeys, yeah. Inner journeys. Co. Uk. Uk. Yeah. Uh, or they can find the products on. They're on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and uh, in in many of the um, the big bookstores around the globe. Global the, global availability, but uh, global. you've got some you've got some great. Uh, Information too there. I yes, like. there's a lot of information. There's lots of uh, um, videos. There are some recordings. In fact, on the website, there's a, a free recording that they can listen to that will give people a little taster of uh, what the hypnosis state is like. And there's a um, a positive past life journey that they can explore on there which doesn't necessarily, it's not a, a healing journey as such, because it's, it's better to be guided, really, by somebody if you're going to actually explore challenges and problems. But it is possible to go in and find out positive past lives so that you reconnect to resources. And uh, those are on my media page on the website. But yes, there's a lot of information on there if people are curious and they want to know more. Radio interviews. and There are radio interviews. Well, here's, here's one that... May well be found there soon that, yeah. we're, that we're doing. And I, I happened to click on the resources tab, and yeah. um, you'd be amazed who's at the very top of the list. Nikki? Alexandra Winman. It's <laughs> number one on the list. Alexandra is one of our correspondents on our morning show and, and yeah. dear friends. Yes, absolutely. Well, it was actually Alexandra Wenman and I who were running the retreat in, in Turkey just now, so she's a very good friend of mine. Ah, see, there you go. Yes. Oh, we love her. Yeah. We love her. We love you. <laughs> it's, just, it, it, it's good stuff because it is. It's a, I, I found hypnotherapy to be a, a wonderful tool for me and yeah. one that had been unavailable for a long time just because of some really myths about it, you know, mm -hmm. misunderstandings of uh, uh, myth understandings, maybe, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, of, of what it really was all about. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, because I remember we just, I was having a session one time and people showed up with chainsaws to cut down a tree next door. And right. they 
and a brand the like first and this giant branch fell in the front yard of the house that he used as an office. I mm-hmm. was right, popped away, you know. Yeah. None of that burning up in the house, hypnosis, barking like a dog. At least I know. <laughs> we. I, I asked him one time. I said, "Can we do that one time just for fun?" He said, "No, we don't do that." I said, <laughs> <laughs> and I think that people will find that you know those. Uh, folks that get up there and quack like a duck and all that stuff on stage, they they would <laughs> cut up on stage anyway. Exactly. You can't most, get... of the most of the time they're not actually hypnotized. It just gives people a really good excuse to go up there and be the star of the show and, and dance around. And they can do whatever they like. And afterwards they come back and say, oh, yeah, I don't remember a thing. Right. So, and, of course, after present, most people will have had a bit of a drink, which... Ordinarily, we would never put people into hypnosis when they were under the influence of alcohol because obviously their inhibitions are slightly uh, diminished in in that state. So, yeah, there are a lot of factors in the uh, stage hypnosis show that that, that mean it's a a very different state of mind altogether. And I've said for a long time that there should be a different name for it. The, The two things should be completely distinct. And uh, nowadays, there is a lot more uh, talk of mindfulness. A lot of people, this, this certainly in the UK, I don't know about anywhere else. Oh, in yeah, the world. absolutely. You talk about it on the show all the time. It's, it's become... Apparently, Molly talks about it. Yeah, the new catchword. And, and really, because um, I've, I've looked into the idea of mindfulness, because I, I had an idea myself, mindfulness is just really the state of hypnosis just under a different name. You know, anytime you're going into a focused state of attention, which is what mindfulness is all about, effectively you are generating a a, a state that is akin to hypnosis. But the fact that this is something that is now being accepted and and it doesn't have the same stigma, I think it's wonderful that, that, you know, some bright person has thought to kind of rename it. And uh, although I'm obviously, I'm, I'm quite protective and, um, and uh, very supportive of, of hypnosis, uh, I do realize that um, whichever technique works and whatever people are comfortable with, whatever name it has, it doesn't matter. There, there needs to be all of these different approaches that, that get out to people. So, you know, whatever they find and whatever works is, is right. Absolutely. And that's, see, now, that, now I know I can trust her. <laughs> right. So well, it's one of the things that we teach on the show is that if your guru is telling you that they know they have all the answers, mm-hmm. get a new guru. Them and only them. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, I learned this at a really early age when I was studying all the different religions was that there was bits of some of them that I really liked and there were other bits that I didn't like at all. So I just took the best bits, the best messages, the best ideas out of each individual one and then I created my own version of things, which is a little bit like what I do with therapy. You know, I've studied many, many different forms of things from Reiki and, and you know, and I've, I've done angelic Reiki and I've done NLP and I've done hypnosis and I've done... I studied counseling and I studied a a whole variety of of different things and uh, and I've kind of pulled them all together to to create the thing that works for me and so the clients that are drawn to me will be clients that will respond or, or, or you know resonate with that 
But we need, you know, there are, as you said, there's 7 billion people on the planet and not everybody is going to respond to the same thing. So we need lots of different versions of things. And it doesn't matter how we get people to where they need to be. It doesn't matter what the path is, as long as it gets them into their hearts, it gets them into the, the, the space where they love, respect, honor themselves. And they start to wake up to the idea that we're all connected, that we're all one. You know, whichever path they choose, as long as it takes them to that place, it doesn't matter what the path is or what you call it. And I think that it's time that people started working together and understanding and acknowledging that, uh, you know, we, we're, all, we're all kind of moving towards the same cause. So there is no right or wrong way to do things. It's just different. Absolutely. Absolutely. You're a woman after my own heart, you are. Just different. <laughs> That's all, people. That's what I'm yeah. awesome. Well, I think people should goodbye. I think the book sounds amazing. Thank you. Come now, Transformational Journeys Through Time and Space. That's enough <laughs> to make me want to read it right there. And Findhorn Press. So find, Findhorn find Press. Yes, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful group of folks. Yeah, so. they are. Well, I just want to thank you for carving some time out to come talk to us. This has been awesome. Thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Great. I'm glad you had a good time. Yay. The, the target, <laughs> the goal. It's the one rule. The only we only goal. Have, we only yeah. have one goal. Have fun. And, uh, yeah. And the, the rest, the brilliance comes out in the, in the space. You just make a space. So we hope that all of you will go by and uh, check her out. It's innerjourneys.co.uk and uh, check out the book. You can get it from Amazon. We'll have a link on our website, everydayconnection.me. The archive will be up shortly after the uh, show has aired, and uh, you can find all of it there as well. So drop by there, sign up for our mailing list so you can hear about some more of these awesome conversations that we have because – we love our job. I love my job. <laughs> you, look at you. You're exhausted, and you still showed up because you love your job. Really. <laughs> I do love and you job. had fun. Come you on, had a I good time. Yeah. I do have a good time, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I love my job. Yes. Well, it's a wonderful, wonderful job. Get paid to love people. That's what we do, really, basically. That's all we do. Indeed. Yeah. All right. Well, listen, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining us. Join us again next time. Check out our morning show. Uh, as well, every, uh, waking up with Everyday Connection. But all of that you can find at everydayconnection.me. Uh, so join us for our next conversation. But until then. To our mother, to each other, and especially to yourselves, stay connected. Have a great now, everybody. Join Jane and Rick again next time. Until then, visit their website at everydayconnection.me and subscribe for news and updates. Stop by their Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash everydayconnection and join the conversation. You can also subscribe on iTunes by searching for Everyday Connection Radio. Subscriptions are free, just like your Everyday Connection.
ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. So you're ready to ask the biggest question of your life. The only question before that question. How do you find the perfect ring to ask it with? With the incredible selection of diamonds at Jared and our price match guarantee, you can dare to stop searching and find the perfect diamond at a price you'll love. Visit your local Jared store today and dare to be devoted. We promise to match any price on a like loose certified diamond of the same quality from any other jewelry retailer. See jared.com slash price match for details. 